have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Fanalist.pod. I'm here with you, joined by Yash Yoshi and Rohan Ranjan on yet another NBA podcast. It's been a little over a week since we kind of delivered you guys the last episode or installation, per se, of the NBA podcast stuff. Similar to our NFL stuff, we took a little break during Thanksgiving, just like everyone else did, I guess. But now that we're revisiting everything, the Eastern Conference is shaken up a whole lot. Like Yash has been saying, it changes, honestly, on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis for the most part. But I'm glad that we kind of waited out that extra week because then we've seen teams like the Bucks and the Hawks especially surge up to the top. And then teams like the 76ers, where they were once the number one seed in the NBA, now they're at the 11th seed. So some big stuff to keep an eye on. The Nets still stay at the top. Bulls, a very close second to them. And the Wizards are still looming up there at the three spot. So quick takeaways over here from the Eastern Conference, guys. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I want to say that the Eastern Conference has been way more exciting and way more fun than the West this year just because of the teams in it, how close it's been, and some of the games that have even been played. Like We know that the Bulls have entered the NBA as one of their best teams in the East, for sure, maybe even in the entire league. The Washington Wizards have been the surprise of the season, for sure. Like, not a single soul, even if you're a Washington Wizards fan, definitely expected this team to go 14-8. and And it just, I know it's too early in the podcast to be doing this, but every time I see the Wizards doing good, it makes me think of Russell Westbrook and how that subtraction made this team elite. And it made, frankly, the Lakers submerged to the bottom. So it feels like they just flip-flop um, spots in their conferences because of one player transaction. The Bucks, they're back. They got healthy because of, like, Chris Middleton was out, Drew Holiday was out, Giannis was out for a little bit. Now that they're healthy, Brooke Lopez is still out for a while, but even without him, they're top to the middle of the Eastern Conference, two games back of the net. So honestly, everything's playing out like we thought, except for the Wizards. And I'm really excited to see how this goes going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the East has definitely been more interesting. I agree with Josh for sure. I think uh, the Nets, you know, Harden seems to be back. Like, he's been having you know, those kind of games that we see in Houston from time to time. Um, you know, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. But I think the problem right now for in the East in general is that the Sixers are at 500, exactly 11-11, and 7 in their last 10. And a lot of it has to do with Embiid being out due to COVID. Um, he just returned earlier this week, I believe, or late last week. And uh, he honestly said that, you know, COVID really affected him more than he thought. And the team's going to welcome his presence, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him and the overall team just to get their groove back. They have a lot of injuries too. Um, So I think that the Sixers being at the 11 spot is the most surprising for me right now, but I think that they should be able to go back up by the end of December. I, I expect them to be like a top five seed, you know, but there's also injuries that we haven't talked about yet. You know, Bam out of bio had surgery. He's going to be out. I, I believe six weeks. So that's huge for the heat going forward. And uh, honestly, like the honestly, Hawks, Hawks have been coming up too. So it's been a pretty good surprise for them. I think the main thing we just got to focus on right now are the heat and the Sixers, because I think that they're going to eventually flip positions because I think the heat are going to go down due to Bam's injury. Sean, I think you're muted right there. My apologies. No, I feel like the Heat would not fall all the way down to the 11th spot um, in this scenario. I just feel they have 
far more depth than the Sixers have up front. And keep in mind, of course, Ben Simmons is still a no-show over there. So we're already counting him out of the roster on the outside looking in. So I just feel that Miami Heat have far more depth than the Sixers, of course. I think a team that's very surprising to me that I'm just like, why are they still up here is the Cleveland Cavaliers at six. Because I feel like this team... I don't, I, I'm still not buying into the fact that this team is a playoff contender by any means, but I'm convinced that this team can get a plan, quite frankly. Like looking at all these teams over here, I think the Sixers should obviously be in the top 10. It's just a question of who are the Cavs going to be in this bottom, bottom of the pit over here? Because I think the Hawks should come up a bit. The Wizards have shown so much signs of consistency that they should be avoiding a plan, hopefully. But honestly, like down the stretch, I think that the two teams that I'm really looking at are the Bulls and the Bucks, like the most, because I think that the Bucks have like they've been at the bottom of the pit a bit. People kind of I don't want to say no, no, nobody wrote off the Bucks by any means, but it's kind of like no one is paying attention to them because they're like, oh, they're the defending champs. I think that everyone knew that they were going to be fine now that they're eight and two in their last 10 games. Now they're kind of surging up to the top that I think teams like the Nets should start to worry and the Bulls already have beat the Nets once. So technically they're only one game behind of that number one seed. Yeah. I mean, Giannis just had a game winner against the Hornets two days, two nights ago when LaMelo hit the clutch three. So that was, that was a really fun game. I just want to go back on something that Sean was talking about with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think they're honestly a pretty solid team. The more you look at the roster and I genuinely don't think they're going to be like a top six seed, but like Sean was saying that they could be a solid play in contender because of the people that they have on the roster. Evan Mobley has been one of the best rookies in the class this year. Like Cade Cunningham has been as great. Jalen Green's scoring has been like very on and off and he doesn't play much on the other end. So Evan Mobley, even though he was selected third, he's been the best rookie in this class and it's helping the Cleveland Cavaliers to this playoff spot. So I think that if he plays like this, Darius Garland, Chetty Osman, Kevin Love, who's actually played not terribly bad this year since he came back from his injury. But this team has some depth and they also have a lot of defense. Like Isaac Core has been great this year. So I would not be surprised if the Cavs like continue to stay like middle of the pack right around 500. And you know, like the way it's been in the East for the past few years, if you make 500, then you're probably making the playoffs and definitely the play-in. No, I'm echoing that too. I think the Cavs have been the biggest surprise in the East. The most pleasant surprise, honestly. And I think I'll take it a step further, Yash. Evan Mobley has been the best rookie. I think he is the favorite for rookie of the year right now. Obviously, Jalen Green is hurt right now, but he has been he's surpassed both Kate and Jalen. Um, I think the closest to him would probably be Scotty Barnes because he's playing phenomenal on the Raptors as well. There but it is. I think- there it is. I was waiting for <laughs> Rohan. When we talk Barnes about rookies, when we talk about rookies, I know that Rohan needs to mention hey, Scotty Barnes. So Scotty Barnes, bro. I love this rookie class, and Scotty Barnes has been balling, but. I just want to say that the Cavs have a diff- kind of a different approach than the rest of the league right now. You know, we've kind of seen um, a lot of teams go centerless in, in cases, you know, like a lot of teams are going small and I feel like that's the direction that the league is trending, but they're doing almost the exact opposite. They have Mobley, who's a 7-1 forward, Markinen and Jared Allen all in their starting lineup. Um, and I believe, is he, are they all in starting? I think they're all starters right now. And even though uh, Colin Sexton has been hurt, Darius Garland, Isaac Cor- 
Okoro have been taking that next step to become NBA superstars. And I honestly think that Isaac Okoro is making one of the bigger steps for like a sophomore. You know, you know, we hear the word sophomore slump a lot in both football and basketball, but I think that Isaac Okoro is going to take that next step this year. And this Cavs team is, you know, not to be messed with. I think that they can make a chance for an upset right now with the way they're playing. Like people are writing them off and sleeping on them, but they're quietly a strong six seed with a bunch of young talent. So this, the future is looking bright in Cleveland. I think that Cleveland, they're going to be facing like a true test for the rest of 2021 calendar year. That is until December 31st. Like they have, I believe, two matchups against the Hawks coming up, two matchups against the Wizards, two matchups against the Bucks in their schedule. They got a little bit, they got the Bulls in there, they got the Celtics in there. So they have a lot of key matchups in the East coming up. And then, of course, in the second half schedule, a lot more West teams to start off the, the new year for them. But I think that we're going to have a much better understanding of what team Cleveland is. Cause again, like Josh was saying, like the Eastern conference, the standings change a lot that I think that we're going to see the Cavs drop to about eight or nine by the end of this year, quite frankly, but still for them to be in the top 10, which is still a plan. It's, it's going to be huge for this team going forward, but real quick, I wanted to touch up on the Hawks. They look great. They're eight and two in their last 10 games. I think that this team needs to get better on the road though. They're four and eight this season on the road. So if they can start figuring that out a little bit better, that'll be great. But you know, Trey young, he's been balling out recently. I believe that he has the longest active streak in the NBA for 30 point games with five and get this. He actually has more 30 point and 10 assist games than Steph Curry, Steve Nash, Kyrie Irving, Jason Kidd, and Derrick Rose. So he has 36 respectively, which is more than each of those guys that I just named, which is pretty interesting. So yeah, the Hawks are going to be a great team. I think that we all saw that coming. And again, it's the Eastern conference. There's, it comes by no surprise. The Hawks are back to where they should be. Same thing with the bucks moving forward, but real quick, you know, I want to kind of focus on the bulls and the nets, you know, we've had this debate on the last couple of podcasts of, who is ultimately going to get the number one seed. And although James Harden is looking more and more like himself right now, and Kevin Durant is who everyone says and thinks he is, Kyrie Irving is a name that's been coming up right now in the news once again. And apparently the buzz is Kyrie is not going to be playing basketball this season unless he's traded because he's no, nowhere, no closer to getting the vaccine. So again, that's a guy that shot 50, 40, 90 last season. Not exactly someone that you can exactly replace. But then again, I mean, that's that's why I say that there is a Patty Mills over there that could play the role of Here we being go, good bro. enough. No, no, no. He, he can play the role of being good Scotty enough. Barnes and Sham has his Patty Mills. Okay, but you're telling me that Patty Mills isn't good enough to get this team winning games. Like he's just good, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he's elite by any. Let's let, wait. I want to be honest. Patty Mills is not the reason they're winning games. The reason oh, I'm they're not winning saying, games. No, I'm saying Durant as a third option. As a third option on offense, he's, he's not even arguably. He's a three and a half option because Joe uh, Joe Harris is like the second third option. Because but he's, he's out. He's out. Yeah, for I know. Four I know. He's, he's out now. Mm-hmm. He's out. But he's that's that's who he's been. And now Patty Mills, he's been starting a lot more because he's been out. So. If you really want a true championship contender with just Kevin Durant and James Harden, Patty Mills could absolutely be like that kind of low tier third option. But when you have a Kyrie Irving and you're looking to trade him, Patty Mills could be like a sixth man, or he could be like your, 
average fourth option. He'd be a really good fourth option, but I just don't think for a championship contender, Patty Mills at this age, even though he's played very well this season, he's shooting what 47% from three, which is absurd. And my like cliched term, he's probably going to come back down to earth. soon. <laughs> but if I, if you're, if you're really looking to trade Kyrie, I think the Nets can look for a pretty big package return. Sean, do you have like some of those trades? That the Nets uh, I honestly, honestly, it's it's been like all over the place because there have been reports that the Nets are not exactly the team that is actively calling teams. And they're not saying, hey, Kyrie's available. They're kind of like, oh, if someone's calling. We're not going to like turn them down. Exactly. We're open and listening to anything. But the issue with that, though, is that um, a little while ago as well, this was reported that teams are scared to trade for Kyrie. Because wherever he goes, drama just tends to follow. They don't know how he's going to act on whichever team he goes to and where he's going to go. Because wherever he goes, it could then turn into a Ben Simmons situation. It's going to be, I don't want to play for you. So they don't know how Kyrie's going to act, how he's going to respond to any of this stuff. So it's honestly up in the air. But when I'm looking at rosters like the Chicago Bulls, they got everyone. They got talent on all across the board and they're a healthy team. They have very similar splits right now compared to the Nets in terms of record. They're seven and four at home, eight and four on the road this season compared to the Nets being eight and two on the road. They just have played a little less games, but again, they've won the head to head battle as well. They, they absolutely destroyed the Nets quite frankly a little earlier this season. So down the stretch, you know, those head to head matchups, they're going to start adding up. And if the Nets can't beat the Bulls in the regular season, that's going to start bumping them down in seeding, not give them home court advantage when it matters the most. I just think that, you know, all this news about Kyrie possibly being traded, it just doesn't make sense to me because Kevin Durant is like a very good friend of Kyrie Irving. He's, he was the one who advocated for Kyrie to play. He's the one who teamed up with Kyrie when he went to Brooklyn. And I just, I know that they've been fielding calls because, you know, you got to do your due diligence, but I just can't imagine the team, you know, I have to imagine that they go to Kevin Durant and ask him about a possible Kyrie Irving trade. And I feel like KD, despite, you know, Kyrie not being able to play this season, he would still want Kyrie on the team for, you know, whatever future use. Maybe he thinks that Kyrie's going to get the vaccine in the future, but there's been no reports of that. Um, so I just, I know that it would be maybe better for their team because like I said, you can't just have, I don't remember we were talking about this with the Warriors when Andrew Wiggins was, you know, still unvaccinated. I was like, you can't have your starting small forward be sitting on the bench for half the season. And for the Nets, it's even worse. It's their starting point guard, who is arguably a top 20 player in the league right now, on the bench for the entire season. It just doesn't seem like this is going to end anytime soon. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you guys know of any packages would be possible? I, I've heard that the Mavs uh, would be interested in trading for him. Uh, I've heard, I think, the Sixers as well. But I just don't know if there's any package which would satisfy both Kevin Durant's you know, ego and heart and also the Brooklyn Nets team needs. Yeah, I think ultimately when it comes down to like putting packages and all stuff together, like you have to then ask yourself which team isn't interested in getting Kyrie Irving. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you also need to take into account the cities that there is a mandate. And like, you know, like take the take the like Lakers, for instance, okay? They're not going to be trading for Kyrie. Take the Warriors, for instance. They're definitely not going to be trading for Kyrie. So those are like mandated places where vaccine is needed that they're not going to be doing a trade for him. Meanwhile, like you have to think of like a lot of these contending teams, like they don't need someone. Like he's not going to the Celtics, of course. There's a reunion that's not going to be happening. The Hawks are set. The Heat are set. The Hornets are set. The Knicks, that's not going to happen. The Raptors, 
they kind of just seem in a rebuild mode. I don't think they even have the assets for a trade. You go to the Western Conference, the Jazz don't need him. The Mavs, like you just mentioned, I don't think they really need him either because they have Luka. They have Kristaps Porzingis, like so many guys, Grizzlies, Clippers. Like I can keep going through this list. It's kind of like just like where does he fit? Maybe, maybe you can say the Nuggets because they're so shorthanded on offense, but who are they going to give? MPJ's out for the season. Jamal Murray's practically out for the season. I don't know if Kyrie can really coexist in some in a completely new system around a big man when he's really not the primary ball, ball handler, maybe. So it's honestly, I've just burned through like over half the NBA and there's just no, no trade that I find right now for Kyrie. No. Yeah. While Sean was listing all those teams, I'm just looking at them and most teams that are contending don't even need a point guard. And the ones that do like Kyrie is just not a fit. Like Sean was talking about, I thought the the Nuggets might have been one of them, but like I can't see the Nuggets pairing Jokic and Kyrie and giving up Jamal or MPJ and more than that to get Kyrie. Maybe the Timberwolves, but like that just seems like a very weird pairing. If they were to, if they were to really get trade for Kyrie, they would probably have to give up Cat instead of D'Lo. So Anthony Edwards and Kyrie would be the pairing. So I genuinely think that he's just going to be staying put in Brooklyn because there's really no trades out there. And like Rohan was talking about a little bit earlier, he's friends with Kevin Durant. So there'd be really no point in pissing him off like that because we know Kevin Durant's one of the most fragile egoed superstars in the league. So if you kind of tick him off, you never know what's going to happen and he might end up leaving your franchise. I mean, I know he's he has a four-year contract right now, but he could pull That's something. That's the NBA. Yeah, he, the NBA. And when possible. you're Kevin Durant, you definitely have a lot of influence on where you get to play. I mean, yeah, he still has two years on his deal, but yeah, you're right. Like it's the NBA, like it's a league, it's a player-driven league, and anyone can request that whenever. But that's the main reason why I feel like the Kyrie trade just isn't gonna happen because of Kevin Durant, not because yeah. you know, like they don't need a starting point guard. They definitely do. Yeah. You know? No, definitely. And I think that you know, I tend I tend to be a very X and O's guy when it comes down to like picking games, picking series per se you know, in both um, NFL and NBA, like it's just concrete. What are the stats? What is this? What is that? I understand how great the Nets look, but I feel Kyrie not being there is this unwanted distraction that is going to harm this team when it matters the most down the stretch. And that's, you know, the playoffs, because I think that this team has been holding out hope saying like, oh, we should be fine. Kyrie should probably come back like for the playoffs, like we'll be good. But clearly, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's, it's going to be happening anytime soon. So it's looking kind of wavery over there as you know, the season starts to, you know, fade away a little bit for the nets at this point in time, but moving on to the Western conference, of course, teams that aren't exactly fading. There's a huge division between, you know, these, these teams at the very top tier. It's like, you can kind of put the warriors and the Suns at their, own level and then there's a huge drop off of not just the west but the entire nba at this point in time you know golden state they had a seven game win streak that obviously got snapped due to the sun's overpowering 18 game win streak now which is a franchise record they are without devin booker he did leave i believe in the first half of the game against the golden state warriors on tuesday but that was a huge game for i think the suns i think it was more telling for the suns than it was for the warriors because a lot of us sat on this podcast at least we were kind of talking about how are the suns really legit and i'm not gonna lie to you i i counted them out you know nine out of ten times because golden state just looked that good it's not the suns were that bad golden state just looked that good but golden state was held to their first game this season under 100 points 
which was huge. Their defense looks, Suns defense looks legit. And, you know, for anyone, I guess, saying, you know, the Suns aren't really that good of a team or they haven't played anyone good yet, which was like me in the last podcast, they are 12 and one against teams that are 0.500. So that's the best in the league. And rightfully so, they have the number one seed in the West and they will be playing each other in about, what, four hours from now? from recording time right now and the number one seeds on the line once again and it's going to be in chase center yeah i mean like there's a lot to dissect here between the suns and the warriors and i think just the bottom line is that these two teams are obviously in just a tier of their own we can talk about the nets the bucks and even steve nash said it himself uh when they lost to the warriors that there's a distinct level between like that team and our team and frankly i thought the suns weren't on the warriors level yet until i saw the last game and their defense was amazing what monty williams the game plan that he built for the warriors uh, offense was executed perfectly and every player in that defensive set was able to do what they needed to do deandre ayton was huge in defending steph curry if you if you remember like he actually blocked one of steph's step back three pointers which is one of the rarest things that's like you ever see in the nba how often does a center block steph's three but mikhail bridges chris paul um jay crowder they were all great in that defensive scheme to shut down the warriors i know none of like really except for jordan Poole, none of the warriors starters or their main players had great games so besides jordan Poole and some auto porter threes that's why they were able to stay in the game but i think tonight's game is going to be very telling how Steve Kerr and how the coaching staff, the Golden State Warriors coaching staff is able to make adjustments to that defensive scheme that we saw. And then how the Suns and Monty Williams coaching staff is also able to keep those defensive schemes under wraps and also show as little as you can to Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, so that you have this push and pull battle right now, but you also have to think of the overarching picture because you're probably going to face this team in the playoffs and you don't want to reveal too much. So I think it's very exciting. And I also want to hear your guys' predictions after you talk about these two teams. What are your predictions for tonight? I mean, yeah, first of all, shout out to the Suns, 18 in a row, new franchise record for them. But honestly, I got to give a lot of credit to Mikhail Bridges. I think his defense on Steph was phenomenal. Like we know how dangerous Steph is off the ball. And I, when I was watching the game, you know, Mikhail was fighting over screens. He was swatting the ball away from Draymond's passes to Steph. And I think that a huge problem in that game for the Warriors and, you know, a positive for the Suns was that the Warriors were just turning the ball over so much. And the Suns defense was just stifling. You know, Chris Paul had good defense. Like Mikhail Bridges, honestly, I there was comparisons of him being like a smaller version of Kawhi. And after seeing that game and then I looked over some tape of his that he's had over the, this, uh, the last 18 games that they've been winning and his defense is a big reason why this team is able to close out you know other teams when it comes down to the fourth quarter they're able to like shut them down when it really matters so shout out to Mikhail he's been playing phenomenal I think you know you could say he's an early contender for defensive player of the year at this point just the way he's been playing um Jay Crowder obviously always a solid veteran with three and D like he made I think four threes in the last three minutes of the Warriors game that kind of just shut the door on that win um obviously Devin Booker is going to be out for a few games but I think this team has proven that they can win even without him maybe not in the playoffs but at least during this hot streak that they've been on I don't see um them slowing down but to regards to tonight's game I think that this is really going to show how Steve Kerr bounces back from the defensive adjustment that they did on both Steph and Draymond. Obviously, they have to limit the turnovers, but 
to overcome, you know, Mikhail and Steph's, uh, not Mikhail and Steph, Mikhail and CP3's uh, perimeter defense, Steve Kerr needs to take what he saw in that first game and adjust. I think that he, they should be able to, and I see the Warriors winning by eight or more points. I just think that they're going to they're gonna bounce back because from what I've seen from this team so far, they're too good to lose back-to-back games. Um, I know it's the Suns, but I, I trust Steve Kerr right now because he's been having a phenomenal coaching year. I think that he's going to make the adjustments where it counts. That's a, that's a first to see uh, Rohan trust Steve Kerr. Hey, no, I mean <laughs> Steve Kerr. I don't know. I don't know if Yash, do you do you listen to Light Years Pod? I I mean I do. I, yeah. I do. So Sam, they, they, yeah, Sam and Andy, they've been talking about Steve Kerr, Steve 2.0, bro. Like his rotations this year have been a lot better, and I think he's actually finally chasing wins. I mean, yeah, I it, make, that, it makes Sean just before you start, yeah. it, it makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense because of who we have this year. Like, no matter how good the Warriors are right now, we know we have Clay Thompson coming back. Some point, James Wiseman, like the vertical rim protector that we desperately needed last game. Honestly, just one thing we didn't mention against the Suns was DeAndre Ayton dominated us on offense early on in the game because no one could stop his size and that's what james wiseman brings to the table some people are like he won't know the defensive schemes he might not be great on offense he he'll be mid he i expect a very average player but he what he will bring is a seven foot one body and that's something the warriors don't have right now so those two additions allow steve kerr to chase more wins than he did last year because we had kelly Ubre and brad wanamaker on the team instead of pneumonia bielitz and otto porter yeah no definitely i mean well, what you guys were saying about like Steve Kerr and stuff like that, like one thing that I did see like this past week was that he kind of said this, this team's different. Like there's a little bit more of hunger to it because they had that weird break in between, you know, COVID happened, all these injuries, you know, clay being out for the last two seasons, like since they lost that, you know, heartbreaker NBA finals game six against the Toronto Raptors, it's, it's not been the same in golden state. And it feels like, it's not like they they gave up or anything. It's just they just didn't have the team around them to contend once again. And now that Steph's healthy, who's quite frankly like the best player in the world right now, that's how he's playing, that you're seeing like he's kind of reminding the league who he is. And I think that going off of that narrative that I just said about reminding people who Steph Curry is, Yash was asking me predictions for tonight. Steph's coming off his worst shooting out of his career with a minimum of 20 shots. He had 12 points, three rebounds, two assists, shot four of 21 and three of 14 from three. Huge shout out to the Suns defense and Macau Bridges. But once again, Steph needs to remind the people who he is. I think the Warriors will bounce back. They're going to reclaim the number one seed and they're at home. I'm going to say Steph goes for 40 tonight. He's going to come out. He's going to come out banging, shooting however he needs to shoot. I mean, like what, whatever needs to be done needs to be done. But one thing that I will say, just don't hate on my take over here. I know you guys are going to probably let out ooze and oz right now, but I hate injuries. All right. I hate injuries. You need to keep in mind, Devin Booker's out. I'm not going to keep this as an excuse for, Oh, the Warriors got it easy. By no means am I saying that, but I'm just saying Suns aren't exactly a full strength tonight that I do expect a bounce back game for Golden State. I think that if if the Suns do win, I'm not going to be concerned. I'm not going to be concerned because then I'm like, okay, maybe the Suns just have the Warriors number early on in the season. But once again, based on what Yash was saying earlier about, hey, these two teams might not want to reveal a little too much to each other. I think the Suns are going to be doing a lot more revealing of who they are. And guess what? The league is in for a rude awakening because they don't know which version of Clay Thompson is coming back? Because whichever version it is, it's scary. And you don't know how you're going to beat that Warrior team. Because Clay has never really been the movement type, 
off ball guard all the time. He's a very spot up shooter. I mean, for God's sakes, like this guy dropped like what, like 60 in like 29 minutes one time. He had like, what was it, like 30 something points off of like five dribbles or four dribbles? Like he's not, he's yeah. just a straight spot up shooter. Like if he can return as half the player that he is, like God forbid, like this league is in for a rude awakening, especially the Suns down the stretch in a best of seven series. Like, quite fr- I, I know it's way too early to say this, but if it's a best of seven series right now, how I'm going to do it is that I'm going to do a split in the first two games and I'm going to say that Golden State would win at home. Then I'll take the Suns at their home and then it will probably go to a six or seven, but I, w- I would take the Warriors. No, yeah, I, I think like the playoff series matchups are a little bit premature right now because we injuries are always a factor knowing who's healthy down the stretch and you want to know how good Clay Thompson's going to be come playoff time. Devin Booker, he's going to eventually come back. But like Sean said, Devin Booker's not playing tonight. And that's why as a Warriors fan, if the Warriors lose tonight's game, then I do maybe start to get a little bit worried because this is the Suns without their best offensive player. So defensively, they'll still be good. You still have to fight around all those great long arms, great defensive players. But offensively, their main engine isn't there. So your defense that you claim is so good should be able to do the same to the Suns. And this might be a grinded out game or the Warriors, if they can find that click offensively, they should honestly be able to run away with this because unless Chris Paul pulls out a vintage CP3 performance to really carry the Suns, today's game shouldn't be as close as last time was just because Devin Booker's not playing. Yeah, I mean, I know I, I gave a lot of credit to Mikhail, and he deserves it for sure, but Steph also missed a bunch of open shots that he usually hits. So keep we got to keep that in mind as well. Um, but I think another key is just getting offensive rebounds tonight. I think that if they can't at least compete on the glass, like they really got dominated last time, if they can't even compete on the glass, then and Steph is still having an off-shooting night, you know, we get no offensive contributions from guys like Andrew Wiggins or, you know, even Damian Lee's coming back tonight. If that happens and the Suns might win again, that would be a little worrisome, but if we're talking about playoff series, bro, we got to remember that the Suns do have the biggest choker, one of the biggest chokers in the NBA, Chris Paul. So, I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. all right, all right, all right. I'm going to put a stop to that right now. <clears throat> Chris Paul in the clutch this season, 63% from the field, 50% from the players, those aren't 94%. Stats. Those aren't it's, stats. I, okay, I understand whoa, it, but wait, I Sean, think this Suns, team, this Suns team, this Suns team is so different i think in general all right oh, like different like in last terms season of, when they when they blew uh they still they still the went too. to the okay they still went to the nba finals but like i think we can we can talk about um what's what's his what's his name what's the referee's name scott that, foster. scott foster right i i thought it was scott foster i didn't want to say anything but scott foster right he came into the picture and started refereeing all those suns games the only the only game that a chris paul team has won refereed by scott foster in the last i don't know almost decade in the playoffs has been game two of the was it the bucks the bucks and the sun series when deandre and tipped it in was it the bucks and sons or was it yeah. the clippers and sons the bucks and the sons bucks and sons right yeah that was game two and chris paul didn't wait, no, play that was, COVID. That was, wait no that was the, that was the clippers sun series right? that was the clippers right yeah and that's Deand- what i'm thinking it was deandre and tipped it in where deandre and tipped it yeah. in for the win yeah, but that yeah, was yeah. that was a game two that was oh game two at home and the thing is, Chris Paul was, a, was, was out. There was a dunk in the Bucks game too. There was a dunk in the Bucks game. Too. That, that was the Giannis. Yeah, yeah, that was the Giannis. Yeah, on Aiton, where Chris yeah. Paul yeah. shoved him midair, bro. Dirty ass player. Yeah, dirt, dirt, dirty player, dirty player. I get that. But I'm, just, I'm just saying that 
Suns have outscored their opponents by 46 points when Chris Paul's on the floor this year and the clutch, which is the best plus and minus in the NBA right now. And you need to keep in mind with Devin Booker, whenever he comes back healthy, I think that they're being a little bit precautionary right now because they understand it's a long season. He's shooting 73% overall and 60% from three. So like when you have a guy like that, like the, the Suns backcourt is there. I think DeAndre Aiden, if he can just stay consistent the way that he is, and of course, Mikhail Bridges being the two-way player that he is, like this Suns team, yeah, they're gonna make they're gonna make another deep run um, at the, at the at the NBA title once again. But it's just it's just I don't, I don't know I don't know how they're gonna contain the Warriors once once Clay Thompson comes back and once this team kind of comes back into rhythm. Because I'm not gonna say it's a fluke loss by any means. By by all means, the Suns are really that good of a team that they did beat the Warriors, but. For me, when I look at the Warriors and I'm like, okay, they're 18 and three though. It's like, they don't, losing is not something they really hear about too often. So it's like, maybe it was a little bit of an uncharacteristic night down the stretch. Cause the last five minutes was pretty ugly for Golden State. They had like two garbage time layups and their other point was like a technical free throw that they got. So again, I think that, I think that Steph was just having a bad shooting night. So we'll, we'll see how they, how it runs back, you know, this time around tonight in Chase Center on the Warriors home ground. I want to point out that I think two years ago when Steph broke his streak for three-pointers made in a game and he went over 10, the next day he broke the NBA record, or the next game he broke the NBA record for most threes in a game. So when Steph has a bad game, he definitely follows it up with an amazing performance. The season opener this season against the Lakers, they won, but he said he had a trash game. The next game, he went nine for nine in the first quarter and finished the game with 45 points. So I, I assume Steph Curry is going to have- Were you like at that game or something? Or? I, 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 I still don't, can't I, believe but, I was at that game. That was <laughs> the best game of my life. Well, Yash, I mean, I don't, I don't know why. Like we should, we should be sending you tonight to the game. I think that we Honestly. need, we need people to fund, fund Yash to go to- I should be I'm, at tonight's game. Yash has a nice, Yash, how many games have you been to this season? Three and oh, I'm a three and oh record. Three and oh right now, guys. Three and oh, all right. You heard it here first. The Warriors have just lost one. Yash can get them back tonight if he's at the game. So if the if the Warriors lose tonight, can we can we kind of say that maybe it was Yash's fault in a weird way? Why? I mean, Rohan's like nodding his head. So. Rohan's like nodding so. his head. He's like affirmative. <laughs> All right, fair uh, enough. Fair I enough. I think fair enough, dude. I think Yash, you need to, you need to start going to some more games. If if we lose tonight, then you definitely need to go to the next game. So, it sounds like a plan. <laughs> but I, I also look. You want them to lose, so then I can go to more games. All right, fair. Well, I don't. I don't think Yash really needs to go to the Spurs game. Right? They they should be fine. They got the Magic. They got the Blazers, Sixers, Pace. I think the Warriors' schedule after the Suns tonight's game. I think the Warriors are about to go on another surge again. They're gonna go on another run. I think till the end of the year. Like listen, listen, just listen to these matchups. All right, after the Suns tonight. Granted that they do win, I think they should get back on track. But listen to this: they got the Spurs, the Magic, the Blazers, the Sixers, the Pacers. The Knicks, the Celtics, the Raptors, the Kings, the Grizzlies, the Suns again on Christmas Day, which is going to be huge. And then they got the Nuggets on a back-to-back to to close out 2021. So all winnable games, all winnable games. And I think that, you know, keep in mind, Clay Clay's just a couple weeks away from her turn and Clay could come back on December 25th against the Suns, which could be amazing to see. That That would be truly a sight to see. So they're, they're playing the Suns again twice before this year ends. And best believe December 25th, Christmas Day, these two teams are going to be, again, contending for that top seed in the West. I think that it's literally just going to be like a fight till the very end between these two teams. It really, I really don't see any of these other teams in the West coming remotely close to the trajectory that these two teams are on right now. And, you know, given the fact that the Warriors are going to be playing some of these bottom teams over here, like, 
if you guys want, we can talk about the Lakers. I really don't have much to say over there. They clearly need LeBron to win games. I don't, I don't see that being an issue. Well, great that LeBron he's got back. cleared after, yeah, after the COVID. I mean, yeah, great, exactly. Positive. Great that he's back, but they got a back. huge game against the Clippers tonight. So I don't know how that's going to go, but we do. Yeah, I do I want mean, to point. I do want to say something. Steph's Curry is 34 threes away from passing Ray Allen. And I think that's going to be a pretty big moment. So 34 threes, how many games do you think he takes? Six or seven. I'd say seven, seven, uh, seven, say, eight, seven to nine. Nah, Steph, Steph's nah, mad right, right now. I need one Steph's number. Mad. I need one number. Steph's mad. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm gonna go four games. Four, four games. games? No way. Yeah. Zero, he, no. he averages. You said like you said eight thirty four. So yeah. That means he would need eight and a half threes per game. No chance. I think that's, I, that's fine. I'll go five. Crazy. I'll go five. Hot streak. I'll go five. I think he can do it. So I'm gonna go five games. I'm gonna five. go six. Five games. games. I think Steph I'll go can five. Hit six games. I'm gonna say seven. Right. I think I. I just. All right. Just five, very, six, seven. Yeah. I don't know. It's just <laughs> kind of unsustainable. But. Um, Anything about the Lakers? I mean, they've just been very average, bro. Like, okay, I think, let me say this. I said to you guys beginning of the season, I wanted to wait until the end of November to really judge this Lakers team. Well, it's now December 3rd, and the Lakers are still very average, borderline, I want to say, like, concerning. So, you know, like, it's at the point now where, like Sean said, they really look like, a, um, obviously, a much better team with LeBron, but it's just concerning that they have – a lot of close games against really bad teams like obviously the pistons they did blow the yeah. kings uh what was it two nights ago but other than that it's been but a they lot lost over- in triple overtime the, yeah. the previous matchup a lot of overtime like uh matchups with terrible teams like the pacers the kings uh, the pistons like i don't know is can we just uh can we just talk about if they are championship contenders at this point because like they're, they're like- not they're not they're not. You know. That's that's the that's the short answer and the long answer. The Lakers are not yeah. a championship team. I think that Anthony Davis said it best. He said he said if we keep playing like this, we're we're not a championship team. I don't see this team coming remotely close to any of these top tier teams right now. I mean the the Clippers, for God's sakes, like they're they're really not. I think okay, yeah, they're three and seven in their last ten games. They're on a losing streak of three. But overall, the Clippers have not really been as bad of a team that it shows right now on paper. And I understand they're kind of going through a rough patch right now. So tonight's a huge matchup for both the Clippers and the Lakers. But again, like, quite frankly, we can put teams like the Timberwolves on the Lakers tier. That really is the reality of it. The Grizzlies, the Mavs, I mean, even the Blazers, like, come on, they're only a game behind the Lakers. It's really not as, you know, big of a difference as it should be maybe. But that, that's the reality of it. But what I wanted to say about the Lakers real quick, though, in the last five games, I just want to say Russell Westbrook's been looking great for them. He's been playing like the guy that he is supposed to come in as play as. He's averaged 25.6 points per game, 8.2 rebounds, 8.2 assists per game, and shooting 50% for the field. So he looks great. He's shooting great. He's doing what he needs to do. So right now, it's kind of just chemistry. I think that the Lakers, we've said this before too, they're just a whole lot of talent with nothing to show for it. Like that's, that's just the reality of it. Like, I, f- I feel like if you think the Lakers are still a championship contender, you're just looking at the namesake players on there. LeBron being on the roster makes it feel like that team is amazing, but like LeBron's old and he hasn't played a lot. Anthony Davis has looked frankly terrible this year and i think i just saw a stat where he's the best or he's the worst jump shooter in the league this season which is terrible he's been shooting a lot more threes than he needs to be his inside the paint stats are amazing but he's just getting really lackadaisical or he's just not 
he doesn't have that sense of urgency to go inside the paint and score. And because of that, the Lakers have been just looking very, very mid. And there's no way that I can put them in a championship contender spot right now. Maybe if after LeBron comes back, they get their season back together. Russell Westbrook also cleans up a lot of things that he's been doing. They have the power, they have the coaching, and they have the stars to do it. But right now, it's it's a firm no. Yeah, I think this is pretty obvious. I mean, there's still, there's still about four months left of like regular season play, so a lot can change. But it's just there's been no science to show me or anyone else that this Lakers team is improving because they've just been painfully average at this point. You know, I think there's just not much else to say there. Yeah, no, I mean that's 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 just how how it's going right now, and I feel that even though a lot can change in the season, it, it kind of feels like we're narrowing down some teams from others on like how they're looking. Uh, I don't want to say like we're, we're not even halfway through the season yet, but it, it feels like, you know, we're kind of nearing the point where we're like, okay, these teams look great. These teams don't look great. And like the East was very predictable. Like when the Bucks and the Hawks were kind of at the bottom of the pits, we're like, these teams are going to be fine. They'll come up. But the West, because we know that there's that division between the Warriors and the Suns, it's, it's kind of just this drop off to like from the three to the 10 seed, there's just about a four game difference. So it's not, it's, it's really, everything's up for grabs between uh, other than those top two seeds um, for the most part. But one thing that I did want to mention when we were talking about, you know, clutch shooting and all this stuff, the Timberwolves, they have D'Angelo Russell, who's actually leads the league in clutch shots this season. He's shooting 42% from three in the clutch. So I feel like it's a little little thing to kind of keep an eye on because the Timberwolves do look great. They have star power on both both ends of the floor. Um, and Anthony Edwards, you know, he's shown signs of going nuclear from night to night. I think that's just a little bit showing signs, a little bit more consistency. But if I have to pick a dark horse team right now to kind of surge up over here, make a little bit of a push over the next like couple of like go arounds, like I'm going to take the Timberwolves to like kind of move up to the five spot. The last time you picked a dark horse, the team lost by 73 points, Sean. So it's over for the Timberwolves. Yeah, I, okay, Timberwolves the, are going okay, on like a 70. Okay, now you're OKC, done. OKC wasn't like a dark horse to surge. I was saying that I still Let's bring like, out the podcast to bit, to bit, to bit, I was I wasn't the saying receipts. the surge. Like I was gonna say that they can get the 10th seed. That, hey, they were hey, dark horses. To be to be fair to OKC, they did not have uh, SGA and Giddy and a, I think one other one other member of their. But there's hey, no but excuse. The Grizzlies losing, didn't have Jaha. Yeah, no, but there's no excuse losing Jaha. by seventy three. You know, there's just there's just no excuse. I mean, I don't. They, well, they 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 now hold the I believe the biggest home yeah. loss and road loss in it's the, or just the rather biggest any, loss in general. Any, yeah, biggest loss, but it was a road loss. But I'm saying that if you want to do splits as well, it lands under both of those. But I think that. I mean, okay, like I'm not gonna turn this into an OKC thing. They've lost eight straight, so like, yeah, that's that's just bad luck on my end of things. But I, jinx, hopefully, uh, I'm not. Sean hopefully, I'm not jinxing. So, so hopefully ne- I'm next week is the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves are on like a five game losing streak. Then we know that you're the bad luck. If I actually 100%. am, that's gonna just yeah. suck. They've had a, they're seven and three in their last ten. So hopefully, all right. So that something to look out for next week. Doesn't doesn't turn the tide. You think you think if I say something like the Warriors surge up to the number one seed, just like just one game. They just go up there to number one. You think you, you think that the Warriors will drop? You think they'll drop? Hey, we we there's not a like you said, Sean, there's, try not a, it. there's not a big enough sample size yet. Let's wait until next exactly, week. exactly. Let's see, let's see so how like, the Timberwolves. See, Yash is the good luck for the Warriors wait, to go Sean, to the game. Sean. So just we'll to, just see. to say, each of the Timberwolves next week's games: the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets, the Atlanta Hawks, the Utah Jazz, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Portland Trailblazers. 
Yeah, they, they got the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Mavs, and back to back after. And the that's, Jazz a, that's a tough think, schedule, bro. What? That's a tough schedule. I would schedule. say, I would say that I think they can go 0. 0.500. They're going to go, I think they're going to go below 500. Honestly, yeah, like, they're I, definitely dropping under 500. Yeah, I think now that you said it too, they're going to be even worse. Yeah, <laughs> probably. What if they just go winless over this next stretch? Hey, then we know for sure. And we that definitely know it's you. Yeah. yeah. Dear Lord, I should probably just stop talking about teams being a dark horse on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just before we <laughs> before we wrap up, wrap up, I just want to ask you guys: like, it's been a quarter of way through the regular season right now. Any thoughts? Any like big surprises? What's your first quarter season takeaway? I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from saying anything. I'm just scared that any team that I mentioned now is just hey, no, no. This is, this is just this is just like a summary. A summary. A summary. It's like not a, a summary. It's not a dark well, I yeah. think I yeah, okay. Well, no dark horse this time. Uh I'm convinced the Bulls can be the number one seed in the East. And okay. the Bucks are coming up there once again. So the Bucks always show up in the regular season. So that's that comes by no surprise. But I think the Bulls are giving a very convincing performance night in, night out. It's just consistency on their end. Um, the Suns are legit. I think that it's the high time that we got to, I guess, admit that um, given the fact that their record against teams that are 0.500. So maybe, maybe they might dip a tad bit just because Devin Booker's out, but we're going to see how that goes. I think tonight's a huge game for them. So we're going to see how everything kind of pans out. But again, their schedule isn't too bad after this. They got the Spurs, Celtics, Clippers, uh, uh, Blazers, the Wizards and the Hornets. So a lot of Eastern conference teams coming up too. So it shouldn't really affect their record a whole lot down the stretch when playoff seeding comes about because as long as they win within the conference, which are 13 and three. And by the way, they should, they should be fine. So, you know, warriors also not too concerned about them. It's one loss. They're the second seed. Like we need to stop over exaggerating that the Suns are really like way better than the warriors, which really isn't true. Cause again, the number one seeds up for grabs and best believe it will be up for grabs once again, Christmas. Yeah. What about you? My, uh, I'm going to keep it way more concise than that. The Warriors are back. And that's all I really care about. On, bro. All right, fine. I'll give it to you. I mean, my first quarter takeaway is that I think that the Raptors can make a play in seed. I think, honestly, Scotty Barnes is going to be rookie of the year. I mean, like, though, I don't know if you guys have been watching him, but I just am so drawn to the way this dude plays. Like, he fights for every rebound. He fights for every steal. Like, he's just a very fun player. Like, I would love for the Warriors to trade for Scotty Barnes if that'd be possible. You know, maybe we, maybe we can do that. But um, on the Western Conference, I'm going to say that I think the Blazers and the Nuggets are kind of cooked. I think their season is done. I know Jokic has been playing phenomenal, but I don't see the Nuggets going higher than a six seed. Um, and I'm going to – my hot take from that is that I think that the Timberwolves are going to finish with a better record than both the Blazers and the Nuggets. That's a really hot take. I think – Nikola Jokic is actually having one of the most underrated seasons. I think statistically, it's one of the best seasons of all time. But just because of the record and their injury, he's not getting as much like attention. But if the Nuggets have the record of last year, I think Nikola Jokic might be like in front of Steph and KD for the MVP. So don't sleep on how he's doing. And if he might be able to carry the Nuggets to like a five or six seed, we might be seeing like someone entering the MVP race as well. I, I think the Grizzlies finish over them too. I think... Jokic is just not going to have enough help down the stretch, like despite how good he's been playing. Just think that there's a lot of teams, like even I think the Grizzlies, maybe maybe the maybe the Lakers too. Like I could just see that happening, depending on if they resurge. I think that now that you mentioned the Timberwolves, you know, 
kind of finishing with a better record. Maybe, maybe you got rid of my jinx over there. So maybe, yeah, maybe, we be, maybe it was a reverse jinx. So yeah, hopefully <laughs> we should be good on that. And we're, we're going to see how they perform obviously down the stretch, revisit that next week, but obviously a lot of things to unfold in the next week or so. This is just more, I feel like this was more of like a preview podcast per se of what's to come. You know, we, we tend to do more, recaps of everything that's kind of happened down the stretch of the season, but Eastern conference always changing, of course, in the West, pretty set in stone, huge game tonight. So let's see, hopefully, hopefully golden state snaps that 18 game win streak. You know, they've already set the franchise record. Now they're just building upon it. So I think golden state would love to play upset over there and, and take that away from them. But interestingly enough, last note, last team to go 16 and 0 in a month in NBA history was the 73 and nine warriors in 2015. So the Suns joined them up there. So rightfully, you know, good company for the most part, but you know, any, any closing thoughts or just, uh, I just think that, you know, it's good that we're, we finally got a groove into the NBA season. I think we know like which teams are legit kind of which teams are surging. So it's been fun to watch. Um, honestly, NBA has just been really fun this year. I think the Eastern Conference is just very exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, the Christmas games. I think that's going to be a good closeout to 2021. Oh, yeah, 100%. And hopefully Clay Thompson, of course, coming back sooner than later. So that's yes, going to be huge. Yes, so that's going to that's gonna be big down the stretch. But, you know, that's – Yash, any, any closing thoughts? Or are you good? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know if you had something to say about Clay Thompson because I know how much – we all um, love him here on this podcast. I have a lot but... to say about Clay Thompson, but I actually, I'm going to refrain <laughs> until we have like more official news because, damn, I can't wait until that guy's back. Yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be great. But you know, that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at the Fanalist Pod. Sean Ramchandran is signing off with Yashoshi and Rohan Naranjan. <laughs>